Friends podcast. I'm your host, Katherine Singer. I'm a Christian writer and blogger living in the beautiful state of Alaska. I'm also a trauma survivor and a mental health advocate. I've been through some tough things in my life, and I'm sure you have too. Grace Moments is about helping you hold on to belief in your darkest hours, embrace hope by knowing your suffering is never wasted, and be inspired by the stories of others who have survived their own tragedy. Life, however difficult, can be a meaningful journey, and I'm here to walk it with you. So let's do this together. A few months ago, I read a book that changed how I think about healing. It opened my eyes to a new perspective on what recovery looks like and why I needed to reframe my ideas of recuperation in all areas, physical, mental, emotional, spiritual. I don't think I'm that unlike most people in that I expect healing to look like and show up a certain way. I anticipate God bringing wholeness to my wounded places, but I do so with a particular outcome or picture in mind. Unfortunately, because I now see that my view of healing has been incorrect, I have missed a lot of what God was doing in my life and also been extremely discouraged or disappointed when it didn't come how or when I expected it to. Thanks to Amy Julia Becker's book, To Be Made Well, I now have an entirely different perspective, and I want to share a few things with you today that jumped out at me when I went through this great book a while back. All of us have parts of ourselves that are in need of some form of healing, but if we haven't understood how God looks at the mending process, we will find ourselves frustrated and confused at how the process is playing out. If there's one thing I hope you'll take away from today's episode, it's this. Healing is not a destination. It is a process. Most of us mistakenly treat recovery as an end goal, when in reality God sees it as a journey. Healing is part of a bigger work he has in mind, and that's what we'll look at today. So without further ado, let's get started and talk about reframing our concepts of recovery. To Be Made Well, which I referenced in the intro, begins with a fascinating premise that really captured my soul. The author, Amy Julia Becker, proposes the idea that culturally, Jesus' view of healing and the one we're accustomed to are completely different. In her own journey of coming to understand what healing meant and looked like for herself, Becker discovered that much of our modern perspective on healing came from the Greeks and Europeans. After all, a lot of our medical concepts originated with the Greek doctors who, under the influence of philosophers like Plato, believed that the body was separate from the soul. While the soul was an eternal spirit filled with endless possibility, the body was a fragile, woundable shell with limitations. As this thinking trickled into Christianity, many believers have come to feel as though what they believe and what they feel in their emotional, physical, and mental body are two entirely different things. The Europeans didn't get it right either because, while their research led to great advances in science and technology— the distance between the spiritual, which they believed was personal if not imaginary, and the physical, which was reality, only grew greater. This led to more people buying into the idea that it, there could be a better world without God necessarily being part of it. All this Julia discovered fell incredibly short of how the biblical model given to us in the Jewish culture and God look at healing. 
When digging into the scriptural accounts of Jesus as a healer, she was surprised to notice something majorly different from what she'd previously believed. Jesus was a product of his time and culture in that he saw the spiritual and the physical as being uniquely integrated. Both the body and the soul were linked, so healing wasn't just for a certain part of a person or their life, but for the whole person and their whole life. This sets up the first and very important truth to understand about how God sees recovery. Healing is about reintegrating that which has been broken or separated, about reuniting what was always meant to exist together. If you attempt to fix something strictly within the body and neglect the soul, you will only have repaired part of the problem. Similarly, if you try to simply mend the spiritual or emotional and disregard the physical or mental side of things, you will also have only dealt with half the issue. Many studies and tests have shown the impact that attitude and beliefs have on the physical, as well as how the physical shapes the mindset. Both have to be working together in order for there to be a whole person. If your body is undergoing certain abnormalities from stress or sickness or some type of imbalance, it impacts your mental, emotional, and spiritual outlook. Anybody who's gone through some lengthy illness or battled some type of long-term physical pain knows that when you're not feeling right, you're not your normal self. You may get more irritable or restless or frustrated. You may struggle to maintain your positivity Whereas when you feel good, that might not be such an issue. The same goes for if your mental or emotional state is off as well. When you're hurting internally on some level, it has a tremendous effect on your physical well-being. Years ago, I recall a medical professional telling me that the body would much rather undergo physical pain than deal with emotional pain. This would explain why some people who struggle with chronic pain or long-term physical issues often have an unresolved traumatic or difficult past they have yet to make peace with. All kinds of symptoms can surface when the mental or emotional space is unhealthy. This is why, for God, healing isn't just a matter of the heart or the body. It's a matter of both. In order to experience deep recovery, there must be attending to each side of the equation. Medications alone or therapy alone can't fix everything. According to Becker, in God's eye, healing is about underscoring the deep affection, ongoing care, and everlasting love that God has for each of us. Both our bodies and our spirits are always engaged in some part in telling us ways in which we need to invite and receive the healing of God into some untouched part of our lives. Recovery is the process by which God helps to bring together that which pain of any sort has torn apart and he does so by helping us see the incredible care and love which he has for each one of us, no matter what we've gone through or where we find ourselves on that path toward healing. God is always about dealing with the entirety of us and not just parts. He's all about infusing his care into our deepest wounds and helping us sew back together what life and sin have so cruelly torn apart. As Becker notes, God invites us to more healing because he wants us to know his love more deeply. No matter how long it takes, he wants the love to go deeper than the wounds. Disregarding the fact that healing is about reintegration is failing to understand that a fallen world has shattered all of us in some way. And we're all on a journey with God to bringing us closer to the whole person he wants us to become. And this cannot happen in halves. 
all aspects must be taken into consideration when it comes to letting the healing of God into ourselves. Because God is after our whole selves, this also means that while he does heal, sometimes he doesn't always cure. I know this will be hard for some to hear, especially where it involves some great physical issue or even a long-term emotional or mental situation. But the truth is, God sees the ultimate outcome he desires for our circumstances and our story. And there will be times when he feels a cure is not needed. Instead, he chooses to bring about healing by taking us through deeper pain, greater suffering, harsher loss in order to produce in us the character he knows we need and to bring greater praise and glory to himself. As we just mentioned in the previous point, for God, healing is about helping us return to minds, bodies, and spirits that have been made well. And this is possible even when disability or chronic pain or terminal illness or irreparable relationships or adversity are part of someone's story. The inescapable fact is that some people will live on this earth with extremely difficult circumstances, and even with the most fervent faith in the world, their situations will remain unchanged. Does this mean God has abandoned them or refuses to heal them? No, it just means that his way of bringing them into that wholeness, that healing, looks a little different than removing them from their suffering and relieving them of their pain or hardship. While it may be hard to imagine such a thing, it's a truth that healing is about being restored in greater measure to reality about oneself, to God, and to healthy community. Just fixing someone's issues in the timing and matter that may seem obvious isn't the whole thing God is seeing at any time. Sometimes he knows there will be deeper refining and greater advances in wholeness if he leaves the circumstances as they are and simply asks greater trust from the individual involved. The Apostle Paul certainly found this to be true when he prayed to God and asked that this unnamed thorn in the flesh be taken away so that he could do greater work for the Lord unhindered. Paul says he asked this of God three times, and all three times it was denied. Rather, what God did tell him was that there would be grace to bear the burden he was given, and that God's strength would be perfected in Paul's weakness. The same can be said for us in whatever we are facing in our own lives. Sometimes God's answer to us will be no, so that he can produce in us a greater thing. Another key truth regarding God's view of healing is that he is always about getting to the root so there can be sweeter fruit. If you think about a fruit tree, if the fruit has gone bad, it usually indicates that there's a problem within the tree itself. Perhaps something has poisoned the tree or infested its branches and leaves so that it is unable to produce the quality of product the farmer is desiring. In order to fix the situation, the farmer has to either spray or inject or prune the tree somehow, or in an extreme case, cut the tree down so that it no longer gives bad fruit and doesn't spoil the other trees around it. Just treating it as a surface-level problem when it could be something much deeper is bad farming. It takes a patient and knowledgeable farmer to get to the real cause of the issue and determine what happens from there. There is so much proof within the scriptures that God is always looking to go deeper and get to the heart of what's really going on with us, even if that means temporarily wounding further. Any good doctor knows that if you just slap a band-aid on an injury, when a surgery or further treatment is needed, is malpractice. It's damaging, sometimes even fatal. 
Most of us want to stay shallow when God is often calling us into the depths. Most of us often live on the surface when God's desire is that we dive deeply and honestly into the places we resist so that his healing can reach the places we'd rather hide or avoid. This is the unpleasant part of healing. Getting to the root in order to obtain sweeter fruit means putting aside the distractions, excuses, and reasons we come up with to resist having to face the brokenness inside ourselves. This is often really hard. It necessitates reworking our lifestyles, our schedules, our habits, our patterns, our daily rhythms so that we get ourselves quiet and free enough to actually hear God and take a hard long look at what needs to be mended in our bodies and our souls. Given the busy culture of our day, many of us have learned to just push past any signals from our spirits and our bodies indicating that changes must be made. We've trained ourselves to put up with stress and pain and behavior patterns and all kinds of things that perhaps God is trying to get us to address, but we're too afraid, too hesitant, too prideful to stop and get real with God in our own story. Ruth Haley Barton said it well when she wrote, One of the dangers of living in a constant state of distraction is that we never go to the bottom of our pain, our sadness, our emptiness, which means we never find that rock-bottom place of peace that passes understanding and rest ourselves there. Being made well means that we entrust ourselves, our entire selves, to the loving hands of the great physician as we acknowledge that we're tired of limping our way through our days and ignoring pain that could lead us to greater healing and wholeness on the other side. Just because we think we can't bear to see the root issue or source of a problem doesn't mean it doesn't exist or still need to be addressed. But the comforting part is God still comes to us in our need, our weakness, our pain, and reminds us that he is not only able but willing to help us. He helps us remember that healing doesn't depend on our personal ability to fix our problems or get our act together or become perfect in order to accept the wholeness he offers. Instead, it depends on God's willingness to reach down and meet us where we are, even as he gives us the courage to do the hard things and face what we'd rather not. Lastly, it's important to realize that healing is sometimes a simpler answer than what we may expect. Sometimes it's as easy as allowing yourself to rest. Rest in the love of God. Rest in the love of those around you. Rest in the beauty of our created world. Rest in the truth of what a valuable person you are. To revisit the agricultural theme for a second, Any good farmer knows that periodically, fields must be allowed to rest. Even if the land is producing great products, there is nutrients that's drawn out of the soil each time there is a crop. And from time to time, the soil must be given a break so it can rejuvenate itself. So many farmers intentionally plan their planting fields around a rotational schedule so there's always a field resting while others are full. This means that there's always a fresh field that's been properly left alone for a while, nourished and refreshed for another round of crops. Similarly, the season of winter has been built into our created order as well. God has designed this colder, dormant period whereby the earth can rest and recover. It's this quieting time in which the sap of the tree slows and the seeds and flower bulbs go seemingly lifeless and everything comes to a near stop all because the Creator who instituted a Sabbath day of rest knew that the entire creation needs its own pausing, its own resting. 
Part of recovery means giving your body, soul, and mind what they crave most, and usually that is some form of resting. Getting a good night's sleep, taking a proper break from work, mentally resetting yourself in a tranquil and calming environment, just creating space in your life so you can breathe and be still and hear God's voice above the busy hum. I love this quote from D.A. Carson when he wrote, We are whole, complicated beings. Our physical existence is tied to our spiritual well-being, to our mental outlook, to our relationships with others, including our relationship with God. Sometimes the godliest thing you can do in the universe is to get a good night's sleep. If we were honest, most of us would admit that we're running on empty a lot of the time. Many people out there are anything but rested and refreshed. And the pressure of our constant on-the-go world encourages us to keep moving all the time. To not take that necessary pause in order to recenter ourselves and allow God to do his restorative work. Like the fields, we need to have seasons where we stop and recover. Let our bodies, minds, and souls recuperate and reorient themselves around the essentials. A lot of people noticed the benefit of this back in 2020 during the lockdown when the pace of normal life slowed and suddenly families were eating dinner around the table regularly and some folks were discovering hobbies or interests that were rounding out their life and others were figuring out that they didn't need to work as long or as hard as they thought they did. It surprised people how much different they felt as soon as they were forced to change up their usual patterns and build more downtime into their routines. Then when the world opened back up, a lot made some significant changes so that they can continue to keep some of the positive benefits they'd acquired during that quieter season. Sometimes we may be looking for a big solution from God when it comes to healing certain distress or dysfunction in our lives, and while I readily admit a lot of our issues are long-term things that take time to sort out, there are some cases where the answer may be quite simple. A little tweak in sleep or scheduling or diet or priorities may do a lot to help your physical mental and emotional recuperation so that your life, like the fields, gets the in intended recovery that it needs to regain its vitality. Bringing these thoughts to a close now, I want to simply ask you, what if the wounds remain? What if you've been expecting healing to be a destination in your life, when in reality God sees it as more of a process? Perhaps it's time you adjust your expectations and begin to look at healing differently. As difficult as it may be to accept that the answer or solution or relief you've wanted may or may not be what God will do, it's also a comforting reality that God will heal one way or the other. Either God will take away the pain of the situation, or he will do a work in your life that allows you the grace to grow and thrive, even if nothing else changes. Anybody who's undergone a major surgery knows that scar tissue is a thing. No, the body part isn't exactly the same before that injury or subsequent surgical wound occurred, but the scar tissue can make the area stronger than before if it heals right. The stuff you'd rather run from or hide has the capacity, when under the care of the Lord Jesus, to sanctify and change you, just maybe not in the way you initially thought. Healing doesn't have to be this result we imagine where everything is as good as new and back to the way life was before pain hit us. That's wanting heaven on earth, and any person who's read the Bible knows that isn't what Jesus promised us here. Instead, he told us to expect trials, but to take heart because he's overcome the world. Wounds and scars are going to happen, friend. And as Amy Julia Becker points out, each of us comes to Jesus from our own particular places of brokenness 
and wounding. Yet, as she goes on to say, each of us will receive some measure of healing that we can carry out into the world, even as the scars from those wounded places remain. All of us are at some place in that ongoing healing process. Some are just barely starting out and have yet to reach a point where they're open and ready to let God start doing his work inside of them and accepting the reality of their situations. Others are partway down the path, progressively laying their pain down at Jesus' feet and being willing to accept the healing he offers. Still others have been on the journey for years and know what it takes to keep going deeply with God over and over and over again. Wherever you are on that spectrum, just know this. The most important part of healing is surrendering to God's offer of wholeness in your life and then participating in that process day in and day out for the rest of your life. Some wounds heal faster than others, and some wounds may never fully mend because they ran so deep. Whatever your story has been, God wants to integrate what's been separated and torn apart in your life. He wants to meet you where you are with his love and help you see that his care for you runs deeper than any pain you experience. He wants you to get in better touch with who you are and who he wants you to be to pick up the broken pieces and begin to form something equally as beautiful as before, although different. Maybe healing isn't getting rid of the pain once and for all. Maybe it's not about figuring it all out in order for recovery to begin. Instead, maybe it's simply learning to acknowledge the pain, accepting that the pain will try to come back, be it physical, emotional, mental, or spiritual. We will still struggle to come to terms with the situations and lies and people who have hurt us, but the process of healing gives us a way of developing a response when the pain returns and the wound reopens and the scars show a bit more than usual. And when the circumstances don't change and all we want is to just feel better and have our situations altered, can we still feel supported in our bodies, our minds, and our souls? Can we find ways to be still and remind ourselves that He's God? Can we get in touch with the things that bring us peace and help us find rest and assurance in our hearts regardless of whether or not things around us result the way we want them to. Those have been, for me, the bigger questions, and I'm learning how to readjust in my own mind how I look at all the areas I still need mending and figure out what being made well looks like for my own story. As I've started to understand, healing is often an unremarkable, almost imperceptible sequence of slowly cooperating with God in the small but important steps that lead to wellness. In inviting me into wholeness, God isn't asking me to forget the horror of what I've been through, but instead to see the way he can redeem and restore wholeness to my shattered self, my pain-ridden body, and my trauma-altered mind through the power of his great love. And that is something that I'm learning how to return to daily, even as I sometimes just want to be free from the hurt and wish healing looked different for me than it does. For you as well as for me, perhaps the upending of our lives can lead us to the upside-down yet right-side-up ways of the kingdom of God. And maybe in being made well in ways we never imagined, we can discover that the places of our deepest wounding can also be the spaces where our greatest healing will take place. To close with Becker's words, healing will not look the same for everyone, but it is available to all of us who know we need it. And that truth, friend, is the biggest consolation in the world, whether or not the wounds remain. so much for listening. 
If you liked what you heard on today's episode, please subscribe to this podcast as well as leave a review. If you want to read additional content, please visit and subscribe to my blog at www.graceopens.blogspot.com. You can also connect with me on social media via Twitter at OpenToGrace2015, Instagram and Parlor at OpenToGraceAlaska, and on MeWe under my name, Katherine Singer. I'll see you in the next episode, and remember, Grace will always meet you where you are. Thank you.